0: The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by CDEC Marine Products. Proudly made in the USA, customizable CDEC, no skid traction is non-absorbent, closed cell, EVA specifically formulated for the marine industry. For a free sample and more information, check out ww.cdeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. And now it's showtime. Recognized as the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade, his vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast. With the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano, the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Golden Mike Podcast, everyone. I'm the Noise in the North, Daniel the Mano, recording down here in beautiful Orlando, Florida. And now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Boulder Boats with three locations serving boaters and water sports enthusiasts in the southwest and west coast plus a huge stock of lightly used boats ready to ship worldwide. Find out about all that online at boulderboats.com. But right now, I wanted to proclaim my excitement for the announcement made over the past weekend. Officially now, Boulder Boats will be hosting the Malibu Boats Rider Experience for the third straight year in a row. Once again this year on the elusive Lake Las Vegas home of such stars as Celine Dion and Britney Spears, to name a few. But that's not what's important. What is, though, this year, this stop of the Malibu Rider Experience will serve as the WWA's Central Wakeboard Regionals. It's the qualifier for nationals, but we all know when Boulder Boats puts on an event, you don't want to miss it. The dates are May 5th. Through the seventh, again it's on Lake Las Vegas. that's about 25 minutes from the Las Vegas Airport and the Vegas Strip. I'm going to be out there announcing I'm going to try to put together a live episode of the Golden Mike podcast. I'm going to keep you guys posted on that and you can find out all the details about the central WWA Wakeboard Regionals and the Malibu Rider experience with Boulder Boats at the Boulder Boats Facebook page or at boulderboats.com. On to today's episode, which is episode number 61. Very exciting and special, of course. Well, today I chat with West Coast free rider, coach and owner of West Coast Camps, just all around good guy, Mike Schven. Uh, So, Mike was my first interview on a little trip I took this February, or just a couple of days ago, for those of you guys who are listening in real time. I'm just getting back to Orlando and recording this right after the trip, and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a breakdown of the West Coast, Pacific Northwest Coast trip that I went on. First of all, the idea behind this trip was to record with athletes and riders and folks who maybe don't make their way to Florida as much and uh, guys who I normally won't be able to catch up with during the season when I'm traveling. So I flew into San Francisco uh, last Sunday, which I think it was the 17th or the 18th of February. Uh, I landed Mike Schven or Mike Schweeney, a lot of you guys call him, but as we talk about in the podcast, it's Mike Schwen. Uh He picked me up from the airport. We had lunch, uh, we found a spot, and we actually recorded right there in his car. From there, I headed out to Discovery Bay, which is where I stayed for, for the next two nights. I stayed with Rodrigo Donoso, many of you guys know him. Uh, as Photographer of the Year, named twice from uh, the Wakeboarding Magazine's Wake Awards. Uh, Rodrigo is a good pal of mine. I had him on the podcast at the end of December. Hopefully you guys all heard that. Anyways, uh, with Rodrigo, I was able to catch up with Trevor Maurer. Of course, Trevor Maurer, the producer, the filmer, the editor, the brain, the man behind Dog Days. It was awesome with Trevor uh, also went out to Chico, California and I recorded with disabled waterski pioneer and legend his name is Mr. Matthew Oberholtz, and the current reigning and defending overall uh, traditional or three-event disabled water ski champion, Connor Pagetto. Connor also travels around and does a lot of the WWA's big wakeboard events. He's a many-time U.S. national and world wakeboard adaptive champion. So I was excited to, to record with those guys. Uh, also, one of my passions on the side, as many of you guys know, is yo-yoing. Well, the National Yo-Yo Museum happens to be right there in Chico, California, so I stopped over there real fast to check that out. Uh, From there, I headed up to Oregon. I met up with a good pal of mine, Zach Stone, had to make another yo-yo stop. One of the top yo-yo manufacturers in the world called One Drop Yo-Yos are located uh, there in Eugene, Oregon. Um, they swagged me out. I had a great time, some great products, so a quick shout-out to those guys, Paul Dang, and uh, for giving me the tour and the rest of the, that crew. From there, I spent the night in Salem, Oregon, where I met up with Colin Wright. Colin drove down from Portland to meet me over at Zach's house. We recorded. Uh, Colin's an old friend of mine, guys, the OG backside spin master. Uh, He's just got an amazing story. Colin was one of the first pros that I really looked up to in wakeboarding. Uh, I really hope you guys listen to that episode coming out a a little bit later on. Down the line, that should be uh, releasing in April, I do believe. Um, So from there, I went to Portland Took a day off. I picked my girlfriend up from the airport. We're really into cities of the underworld. I don't know if any of you guys are into that. That's that show about um, like secret cities underground and stuff like that. Anyways, Portland has an underground, the Shanghai Tunnels. We went on that tour, Uh, enjoyed the night there in Portland. And then the next day, we drove up to Radar Lake to meet up with Eddie Roberts. And Eddie, for those of you guys who don't know, well, he's... Been known in the industry as the right hand man for Herb O'Brien for so many years. He started back out with HO Skis, uh, doing design back in the early '80s, and now, of course, he's one of the heads of design at Radar Water Skis and Ronix Wakeboards. Eddie is a legend, and I thought that uh, we needed to chat with him and get his story. And I really enjoyed it, uh, especially being up there at Radar Lake and getting my opportunity to get out on the water there. I didn't ride or ski on Radar Lake. It was a little chilly, but we took a boat ride, and I actually uh, drove around the islands. It was just a fun time. Uh, Saturday of the trip... Uh, which was pretty much my last day of the Pacific Northwest Coast portion of the tour. Uh, I went to a yo-yo contest, the Pacific Northwest Regionals. Just some passion stuff for me, guys. Just some fun stuff outside of wakeboarding that I'm into. You know, it's, it's what I love, so what can I say? Anyways, I've got some videos and stuff from the trip, as well as all of the audio that's going to be posting over the next couple of months, so make sure that you guys listen to all of that. Anyways, today I'm really excited to have Mike Schven on the podcast. I do real fast want to remind everybody that the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you for free twice monthly on the first and third Wednesday of each and every one of those months. You can find us online at noiseofthenorth.com. We are now available on SoundCloud. I am continuing to occupy the page with past episodes and hope to have all of those up sooner than later. Uh, The Golden Mike Podcast is also on iTunes. Every episode is on iTunes, starting with number one. That was with Mike Dowdy, and it was released back in April of 2014. They're all available, so be sure to search The Golden Mike Podcast on iTunes or the podcast app on your iPhone. Hit subscribe, then click the middle button and rate and review the show. I'm loving reading your reviews, guys, and I want more. I'm addicted uh, if you have an Android device, which I know many of you guys do, uh, just download about any podcast listening app that you can find and search the Golden Mike podcast. Worst comes worst, you don't find it, delete the app and find another. I've been hearing from... Lots of Android users that that is exactly how they listen to the Golden Mike podcast. To keep this podcast no charge to you, the listener, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show. SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, GoPuck, Malibu Boats, Rockstar Energy, C4 Belts, CWB Board Company, Leadwake, and Ronix. Follow me on social media, Instagram at Dano T. Mano, on Twitter at the Dano T. Mano, and at the Golden underscore Mike, and be sure to like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. (laughs) You can always reach me through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. All right, so I don't have an audio montage today, unfortunately my audio from Wake Park Worlds didn't come out quite the way I wanted it to. So instead, I'm going to answer just a couple of general listener questions that I received uh, before the West Pacific Northwest Coast tour. So let's start right here. A couple of these general questions. First question is from Devin Duty, and it says, what's your favorite cable park to ride at? And well, that's a pretty good question. I'm not going to lie here and say that I've ridden at hundreds or even 20 cable parks in my day. I'd say dozens of cable parks, maybe 12, 13, 14 cables across the US and maybe outside of the US. Um and my favorite cable park? Well, I'm going to have to say it's kind of a toss-up between two because it's two places where I feel like family. First of all, of course, the Orlando Water Sports Complex. It's right here in my backyard, Orlando, Florida. It's the first cable park I ever rode at. And just some amazing people over there, and it's just too easy to get to. And it's super duper fun. They've got the beginner cable and the expert cable. So it's the perfect place for anybody to ride, beginner or pro. So that's my answer, and thank you for that one, Devin Duty. and looking forward to seeing you, Devin, at uh, Central Wakeboard Regionals. Uh, the next question is going to be the last question I read comes to us from Brad Belcher, longtime podcast listener, and he says, How do we get more people involved in water sports and keep our sport growing? Well, that's a really awesome question, especially for me. Um, I am a guy who loves all aspects of towed water sports, whether it's wakeboarding, water skiing, wake surfing, wake skating, tubing, kneeboarding, you name it. I love it. I grew up as a show skier. Um, I was a big fan of wakeboarding, and I loved three-vent water skiing. Um, when wake skating took over, I got into that. Um, and you know, I've, I've announced Disabled Worlds. I've been a part of all kinds of events. Anyways, the question is, how do we grow the sport? Well, first things first, guys, haters, we gotta cut it out. At the end of the day, when it comes to toad water sports, no matter what you're doing behind the boat, we all have that one thing in common. We are doing it behind the boat because we want to have fun Uh, Go out there. Be a great ambassador for the sport. Introduce new people to the water. If somebody's not into wakeboarding, maybe they're into water skiing. Well, don't make them feel bad about that. Just get them on the water, whatever it is that they want to do. Have fun out there. You know, if you're on the lake and and somebody's waving their hands at you, maybe they're bummed out that you're throwing out some big wakes or that your music's too loud, well, be an ambassador for the sport, guys. Don't give them the one-finger salute. Turn your music down. Give them a wave, a smile, maybe an I'm sorry. Maybe drive over there, say hello, introduce yourselves. I don't know. It's all about positivity on the water. And all too often, you know, I see, you know, we're in a boat. We're having fun. And we kind of think it's centered all around us. We forget about the people around us. If you want to grow the sport, be a great ambassador once again. And act like a champion when you're on the water, you know. Make the sport about everybody and not just yourself. All right. I don't know. I may have just been babbling right there. Nonetheless, just some thoughts from the Mano. Guys, I've got a great episode coming up here in just one moment. My guest, the one and only Mr. Mike Schven. And it's coming up following this commercial break right here on the Golden Mike Podcast, baby. Dig it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando, Florida is your one-stop shop for all towed water sports needs. As an industry leader for more than two decades, Performance Ski and Surf's pro staff will sweep you off your feet with loads of industry knowledge and the best customer service in the biz. Right now, you can order online from perfski.com and receive 10% off your entire purchase by using my promo code GOLDENMIKE, all capital letters. Whether you're looking for current or closeout gear, Performance Ski and Surf has it all. And right now, with my promo code Golden Mike, you just can't beat the deals. Performance Ski and Surf is just minutes from the Orlando International Airport or online at perfski.com. That's P E R F S K I.com.
1: Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano.
0: So Schwen. Is it like, uh, is it like Norwegian? German. German? German.
1: Okay, it it could be Schwene. Yeah, if if you really get into that's what I've heard from some of the Germans. I always hear Schweeney, right? Is that something,
0: is that what goes around in the wakeboard industry, Schweeney?
1: Yeah, that's, that's my, so my grandparents, it was Schwen. Right. And then my dad, everybody, you know, Americanized it and so they're just, whatever people said, they went with and Schweeney seemed to be, if, what everybody would, how they pronounce it, you know, just looking at it. So you're from uh, what part of California? I'm from Santa Cruz, California. Which, it, can you kind of talk about where that's at? Yeah, Santa Cruz is in Monterey Bay. It's the north part of the bay. Uh, pretty protected area from all the the coastal elements. And it's, in the surf community, it's probably one of the, the main hubs in the world for... You know, just uh, reef breaks all up and down the coast. Uh, ideal conditions because of its protection from the wind. Um, and so uh, pretty ideal for outdoor sports. Um, you know, growing up, pretty much everybody's into into something outdoors.
0: Were you a surfer before a wakeboarder?
1: Yeah, so I, I tried surfing when I was like five years old for the first time. You know, then we got into mountain biking and our parents pushed us towards... A lot of the traditional sports, because in our county, uh, most of the guys that were ripping at the different sports were uh, just full of anger and drugs, and it was pretty bad scene like back baseball, then. Baseball, like baseball, and football. well, yeah, we were we got pushed into baseball and and soccer, and and um, surfing was kind of an outcast gotcha. sport. It was pretty, I mean. You'd see a fight almost every other day in the water. You'd get yelled at, you know, even at six, seven years old. Well, you kind of have
0: like that build for uh, traditional sports. I mean, I, I don't know. But at the same time, for surfing too, because you're kind of like a big shoulder kind of guy as well. So, I would assume that uh, I, I would assume you probably were pretty good at the traditional stuff too.
1: Yeah, traditional sports worked really well for me, and uh, I was pretty decent at baseball. And then I got burnt out, and then I switched to water polo. And uh water polo was I think my ideal build. It seemed to work out really well, sure, so uh,
0: when was like the first time that you actually got up behind the boat and like what was it? was it a wake?
1: Was it a wakeboard? was it a surfboard or were you skiing? So I got up when I was about three years old, uh, and then my sister uh, she was like eighteen months, she could hardly talk, so she blew me out of the water. Um but yeah, we were pretty young and our parents would bribe us uh with whatever it took to get us to go out and I was I was pretty reluctant. It would usually take ice cream. Um where sure. seemed to work every time.
0: It's a usually a nice treat after you're done riding. Though, yeah. right? I, I I'm guessing nowadays you're probably not eating as much ice cream.
1: You know, I I'm still slightly addicted, but it's it's a controlled substance now. Right, right. You live in that healthy lifestyle, yeah, man. That's my one vice.
0: Right. It, by the time you're three, I mean, yeah, here, on the, especially on the West Coast, like I'm guessing people are already starting to ride scurfers, maybe even ski boards and stuff. Were you skiing at this point?
1: Yeah, so the we hadn't seen any, you know, we wouldn't see any scurfers or anything for a long time uh, after this point. Um, I think a couple years after I started skiing, the kneeboards came out, and then I remember we got two kneeboards, and they were top of the line at the at the point. And then the scurfer did come out. And so I was, like, begging my dad. I was like, that this is the first thing that, like, caught my eye. I was like, that looks really fun. And my dad was like, no, we just got two kneeboards, you know. And it's, a f- you know, like we were talking earlier, it's a fad. You know, you, we got the kneeboards. You can have plenty of fun on those. Sure, sure. S- so I had to wait, like, probably two more summers until my cousin got one for his birthday. And he brought it to Shasta with us on the houseboat trip. And so they taught me, my aunt and my cousin taught me to get up. And it was, like... Just game game on, you know. I was like, oh, I can catch air now, and um, it was, you know, it was the the turning point for me where. I no longer required ice cream to get out in the water.
0: Yeah, like just having the opportunity to ride the skurfer was a treat in its own, right?
1: It was, yep. And my parents would always tell me on skis, you know, one day you're going to beg us to take you out. And as soon as I hit the the, the skurfer, it was like, all right, I'm begging you. I saw a
0: video that you put out, and I don't know how long ago this was, but one of the clips in the video actually showed... All of your boards, so you 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 kept every single board you ever had.
1: So I've got a funny story on boards. The first board I actually owned was a uh, a rusty uh, seahorse, and it was a twin tip, and it was one of the first twin tips to ever come out at the same time as uh, the Flight sixty nine. Just right sure. after that, it was a honeycomb board, and I was I had this board. The only reason I was able to get it is because my parents owned these surf shops, and so I was into in my you know scurfing on my cousin's board. And so Rusty finally comes out with a board and my parents are like, we can buy it for half price. So, okay, we'll, we'll do it. So I get this twin tip board and then I was snowboarding at the time too. So I knew twin tips were generally cool. And then I'm watching scurfs, uh, scurfs up. No, 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 sorry. Spray. And everybody's on directionals and I'm like, oh my gosh, I bought the wrong type. And so I literally was regretting, this twin tip board I had and I was going into the, the, uh, Coat back then and looking at all these directional boards. Like I wonder which one I should trade in for. (laughs) So,
0: So when did, when did you like really start getting in to like wakeboarding and, um, learning tricks and stuff like that?
1: I, I honestly, I mean, as soon as I got my own board, um, I was so hooked. Like I, you know, I started trying to, wrap up and do 360s and they were like three inches off the ground but it was just like i was just trying everything i could and we saw someone do a uh, like a back roll or something and that was like the ultimate like i never thought i'd be able to do a flip on a wakeboard but just knowing it was possible was like pretty rad to to see that go down were you watching
0: other riders or anything or just through the movies or videos it was
1: pretty much there was only like one or two other riders that i ever saw um, doing these types of tricks, uh, that were that stuff that I hadn't done yet. So it was like kind of on the on one stage you felt really good about yourself cause it was pretty new. And so not many people were making you look bad. Um, but I was inspired when I did see those other guys, it really was like, gave you that motivation knowing that you could actually, when you see it in real life, it's, it's different. And sure. you see in the movies, you're like, Oh, those guys are paid professionals. Of course. Like they're like superheroes. But to see someone do it on your lake was like, okay, I might be able to do this. Do you remember who maybe some of those first guys that you got to see in person were? Yes. Yeah, so the the first person we never even met there that was on Shasta, and then um, on our lake this guy Paul and I still uh, run into him like a couple times a year, and he was insane. Like he probably could have been, he might have even been on the first you know pro tours back in like the ninety four era, but he was doing like eight different flips. It was insane, and he was just. He, he could care less. You know, he would just lay it all out there when he went and rode.
0: What about, like, pro
1: eyes? Do you, do you remember who some of the
0: first guys that you would recognize were?
1: I mean, I was watching Spray from the beginning, and so I remember when I saw Byerly for the first time, I was, you know, pretty starstruck. Um, the first person I got to watch uh, that was at that level was this guy Ian Kirk, uh, who worked at Shasta. And he was doing all the big tricks. I think it was back '96, right before uh, the first board stock. And so Ian was super impressive to watch, um, and he was also my coach as the first lesson I ever went and took. So at uh, the Steiner Ski School up there. When did did you start taking wakeboarding super seriously? Like was in high
0: school? Were you like, hmm, I'm gonna make a career out of this, or what were what were you thinking?
1: Yes, I think even back to like sixth grade, I remember I'd get the videos and I think Randy Harris, uh, Randall now, uh, he was in Scurfs Up. And so he inspired me because like, oh, he looks about my age. I think he's a year older. And so I didn't live near a lake, but I would just every trick that Randy would do, I would go jump on the trampoline and learn that trick and so i was like i was trying to stay stay up with him but i was just on the trampoline and he was out in the water
0: (laughs) there was a good crew of riders here but did you ever find
1: yourself out on the boat or riding with these guys you know i i never ran across anybody uh until like 98 i think it was uh so it took a while you know i uh there's there's another guy at my high school that loved wakeboarding so we'd talk shop like every day at drafting class and uh, but yeah it wasn 't until like late nineties that I finally started getting to ride um uh with people that were way better than me
0: so um getting back to like like taking the sport serious like when did that happen, and how did it happen
1: yeah, so I think even junior high, I was like, I would just love to be pro i would I saw what what made me want to be pro was um because I grew up around surfing, and all those guys were aggro. And mad all the time, and I was watching spray and have seeing like Byerly like slap hands with somebody when they're doing a pool gap, and Powell is like, that's what I want to be a part of. Like I want to go on trips like those guys and just be able to like you know have fun with people and like be encouraged uh, by other riders. And so that's what put wakeboarding at the forefront for me was like just the atmosphere and the vibe that seemed to be there. And so as soon as I saw that, that was when I like picked wakeboarding. Um, And so baseball kind of went out the window and uh, snowboarding. uh, I was really into it, but it was cold. And I was like, I'd way rather be involved with wakeboarding. You know, you're a great rider. Your style
0: is absolutely insane, but you definitely have a different approach to like what pro riding is, right? Well, most definitely. It seems to me like early in your career, you kind of decided to stop Contests and competing. So, uh, what I want to I kind of find out a little bit about your contest history, first contest maybe, and then how you felt about contests, and then maybe like when you stopped doing them.
1: Yeah, you bet. So, like naturally, I was always very competitive, and uh, when I was doing water polo or any sport, I would give more than anybody else out there, and I would be dead before I, you know, uh, gave up, and for whatever reason I never really felt that in wakeboarding and you know when I looked at the other riders I never really had that sort of you know the blood you know the blood thirst right. <laughs> that you get in other sports and uh and so I was I I competed because that's what you had to do to get sponsors and and so I st- I started competing in 99 kind of late um and you know I went and uh, did the local competitions and i did all right uh, at the outlaw level um and then started doing junior men's and when i when i had started junior men's i it was kind of like late in the game and so uh i would go there and i would just choke you know you get around i think danny Harf, it was like danny harf and uh evan kira one of the kennedy brothers and you know, uh, Mark Kenny. Sure. And so he, I go, I go out and I just see these guys ride and maybe at home I might've had like an ounce of chance. But then when you're, you're in a environment, you know, that's totally foreign and there's like all these other pros, it was just like, good luck. <laughs> you have Danny Harf, oh. 15 years old, hitting a 720 every single time. It was unbelievable. I mean, every trick he was doing was like a mob. Right. And, uh, you know, I had I had some tricks back then, but when you put yourself up to guys like Danny, it was like uh, I, I don't have a chance.
0: So, so it was like a conscious decision to kind of stop competing.
1: Yes. Oh, so then uh, Darren Shapiro actually helped me out a ton. I met him in '99. He invited me to stay with him uh, in 2000. I was busy, and so 2001, I went out and lived with Darren, and it was an awesome experience. Um, Travis Moy also and uh got to kind of be live in orlando uh live live the life you got to ride the spot got to ride the spot <laughs> and uh got to ride the cable you know a fair amount and you know for me i'd grown up in santa cruz where it's like okay i'm going to ride my mountain bike today i'm going to surf tomorrow and it was pretty much like we're wakeboarding or we might take a trip out to the coast to go surf you know here or there and i was like i just can't do it i i just couldn't leave i could do it for a month or two but i couldn't do it full-time you're a west coast guy yeah i was i was just you know the other things were too important to me to uh to drop and i wasn't good enough to you know to justify it how did you get along with the other athletes i i think i mean i i always felt like i got along with pretty much everybody um Keith Lyman and Ben Greenwood were still undiscovered at that point and they we rode together a few times and just had a really, really good connection with those guys. Um Murray was always super nice. Uh obviously Darren, you know, was a mentor and um so I, I felt like I got treated way better than I probably deserved. Sure. Yeah and
0: you know to to be in the presence of all of those of greatness, you know, the, yeah. some, some of the biggest <laughs> names in the sport especially uh, during that period of time had to be a uh, pro- pretty positive
1: thing for you. Yeah, you're trying to not smile the whole time. Right. <laughs> you're hanging out all these around with these guys, you're like, uh, they're going to think they're going to think I'm weird. You no, know, your your style is
0: just completely different. You to me when I watch you ride, I look at a guy who basically takes a simple trick and makes it amazing and makes it your own. Was that always, I mean, would you say that I'm kind of on point with that or?
1: Yeah. So when I was younger, uh, growing up, like we skateboarded when we were like five on. And so a lot of the, there was always an influence from your friends to like, okay, like it's got to look good and like whatever it takes to land the trick. But then once you get it, like you got to, you know, make it look good. And so I had that background And then there was a point for a couple years uh, when I was trying to get sponsored, and they were just telling me it's all about invert count. Like, you got to get your inverts up. And so I just started being a trick machine, and it wasn't fun for me. And uh, it's sad. (laughs) If you look at my my riding before in, like, an old video, I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. And then there's a period where it's like I don't want to watch anything that went down for, like, two years. And then after that, I kind of gave up. Uh, on being, you know, you know, professional, I guess you'd say, and so I got to do my own thing again.
0: Right, right. So, like the whole, I don't, I don't know, like, I guess, kind of like gymnasticsy style of wakeboarding really didn't really fit what you were trying
1: to do. And, and my my body type's not really meant for technical riding.
0: I don't know. In in my book, I mean, yeah, maybe you're not invert. Extra twist or whatever But at the same time I mean y- You're riding It's still not easy
1: Yeah There is There is a A level where you have to Do something over and over And over and over To perfect it the way you want it The way it feels Feels right for you
0: it, Did your style come a lot From like surfing too?
1: Yeah I think surfing And skateboarding Um Like junior high I had to stop skateboarding Cause uh, my My parents weren't Really keen on the people Uh My friends Uh that were involved. And so they told me I had to pay for my medical bills. And so up in that point I had like a a half pipe and uh, one of my friends went pro, uh, still pro today, another one should have. And so I think that was our first, you know, out of hours spent, I think skateboarding when we were younger was uh, pretty dominant. And then surfing, as I kind of got older, um, spent more and more time. Uh, You know, when you're younger, you don't get that many waves. And uh, so once you get into high school, you kind of are allowed a little bit more uh, time on top of your board.
0: Right, right. And e- now in do- uh, dog days, which is something else we're going to talk about here soon, uh, there's some footage of you surfing some pretty big breaks in that video, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. There's. <laughs> so what? Like, what were some of those surf spots? Um, one. Of, I mean, it's kind of a. a Localized spot. Um, that so most most of the guys yeah. that would recognize it that surf them, um, but yeah, the the kind of the cool thing on that shot is that that shot's from like five hundred seven hundred feet up, you know, on top of a cliff. So it was looking down on a wave. So um, it was pretty rad. That the morning it was just me and my cousin pretty much, uh, and when I got in, a couple of the guys were like. Uh, that were on the shore watching. were, uh, you know, pretty stoked on some of the waves that I'd got, and it turns out one of uh, one of the guys was Nick Lamb's dad, who just won Mavericks like that the day before. Um, so that was pretty pretty awesome experience to just, you know, get to hang out with some of those guys and. Um, that was a pretty memorial way to, to end that session.
0: Hey, folks, we're going to stop right here so I can talk a little bit about my friends at Seadeck Marine Products and how easy it is to customize Seadeck in your boat or really any marine or aquatic application this year. For the fastest and most accurate service, I recommend to find a Seadeck certified fabricator or installer near you to have your boat fitted for custom Seadeck. CDEC's expanding network covers the USA, Canada, Europe, and the South Pacific, and now it's easier than ever to have a CDEC professional take your project from start to finish. Check this out Cedex certified fabricators are factory trained and specialized in the entire CDEC process. They digitally pattern boats, create CAD drawings, cut CDEC EVA material using CNC technology and install the final products. That's how they assure the perfect fit and finish every time. All c pads are installed using 3M pressure-sensitive adhesive so they never fall off. It's comfy, it's durable, stylish, and oh yeah, it's also made right here in the good ol' USA. Check out CDEC's interactive map at com to locate a CDEC certified fabricator or installer in your area to schedule an appointment today. Once again, go to com. that's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Now, let's get back to the interview with my guest, Mike Schven, right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, a little bit about dog days, um, the, the locations, how many different locations did you personally film in for that movie?
1: Man, that, I couldn't even tell you. Like, I I couldn't count. That, the amount of locations would be easier. The amount of days, I have no idea. I mean, it was, it was so labor-intensive in a good way. Um, Trevor... And uh, and Jarrett helping out too, just unbelievable. Trevor, Maurer and, Trevor Maurer and Jarrett Brantley, man, they put so much labor and love into that thing. Uh, it's a, it was a, a masterpiece for their own lifetime, sure. You know, I told Trevor even afterwards, I was like, you know, good luck ever replicating something like this. Was there any
0: spots in dog days on your side, like that you from your parts? that stuck out the most to you, like that you enjoyed the most riding?
1: Oh, definitely. Trevor, even Trevor, I think, said, and Jarrett, one of their favorite trips um, through the whole movie was uh, the beginning of the film, we went down and did some winching in um, the Pismo, um, what's it called before Pismo? Uh, Morro Bay. And so the Morro Bay trip, we camped out and just had an incredible camping trip with the boys. And it was so much fun. Um, it it was really what I, when I was younger and watched Spray, what I was looking for, you know, to, to go on trips like that with your best friends and for them to be amped on you. I mean, I felt spoiled because it was like, I was the one getting to do all the riding and I had like three guys um, just, you know, serving me nonstop. You know, the, all the cameras were on me, the winching, you know, everything was for me. Um, but we all had such a good time on that, that trip, it, you know, really stuck out. And then I think the cool thing about the whole video, uh, along the same lines is just every single person really helped each other so much. You know, there was so much sacrifice for one another. Um, I mean, Randall was in the boat pulling more than anybody, um, And it's like, he's a legend. Like, he shouldn't have to drive any of us. You know, we should be giving him grapes and whatever he wants. And and he's out there serving the rest of us. Uh, That was insane. And Josh, same thing. He's like, you know, the most qualified rider of the whole video. And he was out, you know, driving Chase Boat more than anybody. Um, And everybody was, was helping out. And so it was really special to be a part of something where everybody really was helping you know serve each other in, in whatever way they could.
0: Yeah, it it just seemed like um like like that movie you guys really came together as a whole to put that thing together and it was like a it was like a family. It wasn't just Trevor trying to put something out. It felt like Trevor was truly giving um you guys, you know, uh, a grip of the of the steering wheel. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Trevor, Trevor was the leader and he, he cast the vision and everybody, you know, got behind it and we, I mean, we have a group text and so when that thing gets going, it just, it starts blowing your phone up because everybody is, you know, so just pumped on each other and, um, it really is a unique, uh, form of relationships. Okay. Aside from like your part, uh, what, what part of the movie stands out the most to you? I I really love Trevor's part. Um, I just love seeing him stack so hard. Like you just see how much he wants it in life, um, and how much passion he has towards wakeboarding. And so I think that that intro he has, and then you know the effort he puts in after it, was to me just like it was very uh, emotional. It kind of represented what that film was for him in itself, and then. Obviously, watching Josh's section is like i mean you you could watch it probably ten times over and still be like, "Oh, whoa, that's something I've never seen before." Like, you just can't watch it one time and actually see what he's actually doing
0: sure like what do you do you think that that movie helped kind of elevate uh West Coast riding over the last
1: you know eight ten months since it came out? Oh, it definitely did, and it's it's rad because it the riding has has gone on for years, and a lot of it you know ends up in magazines, but it doesn't get put down on on videos or it's you know it's it's kind of has a half effort approach, and so to have it have a full you know it, it got what it deserved. Uh, the effort was put in, but it was like it actually came out in a completed project. Um, I think it was so important for. You know all the riders that have put so much into their riding and the sport to finally have a video piece that re- reflects you know what they've been doing. And there's
0: been videos coming out of the West Coast for so long. I, I mean, Delta Sessions, I believe there was two videos or two volumes of that. Um, the, obviously, in the old in the old days, you know, the OG movie spray and hit it. A lot of the filming was done on the West Coast, but it it seems like the spotlight is on Florida, on the East Coast, so much, you know? Um, w- like, what do you think it's going to take to to kind of bring that spotlight back over here to the West Coast? I,
1: I mean, obviously, it's it's almost impossible to, to really bring the spotlight back, but I think it's cool for anywhere just, you know, to see that guys like Josh and Trevor uh, and Randall and Mel have been able to make a career and not have to... To move to a certain area It makes it a lot harder But it just I think Guys in Texas Are doing it And I think the Just seeing it Come to fruition Is it, going to inspire people To to Continue what they're doing uh, Locally And uh, What's rad is You see so many Different sceneries And I love Seeing a video section Even if it's online Of some different lake You know In a place I've never seen It really adds uh, An artistic You know Balance to Just the writing Aside from uh, Dog Days, like what what wakeboard videos over the last couple of years have really stood out to you? Oh, the last couple of years. I mean, Kilgus has always done incredible jobs um, in in all his films. Um, I mean the the most transformational films for my you know last fifteen years. Vandal section in uh, Randall section in Natural Born Thrillers. I mean, we still play that at camp over and over, summer after summer, um, and uh, yeah, the last few years, it's been mostly Kilgis, you know, um, and I love just uh, any of Randall's sections or Ben Greenwood's sections that that he's done, uh, just really inspiring.
0: I-, I felt like for
1: a while there, especially with Kilgis'
0: videos, the trend was to just these big budget wakeboard films and... I don't know. I'm I'm sure Trevor had a budget for dog days, but no. <laughs> it it really wasn't much,
1: huh? You know, like Trevor put he he's such a saver. You know, he just lives on a houseboat to save every penny uh to invest in his future and he really put his whole he kind of got hung out to dry uh by one of the, the main sponsors and um so he had to put his own uh life lifetime savings in to make that thing happen for all of us. And so that was uh pretty it was a pretty rough blow um and it's pretty rad to see you know what he was willing to to put forward. And I think that inspired all of us too to you know just to contribute as much as we can you know writing wise and oh
0: and then to cap it all off winning
1: wake awards uh video of the year yeah that was i mean so special you know for a guy like Trevor and for the West Coast. And
0: that's what I wanted to ask you, like what does that mean to like all of you guys who are a part of it?
1: Yeah, just even if I wasn't in the film, I think it's just so special to see um see a group of riders put such a an effort into something and to to get recognized in an industry and the level of riding out there is so unbelievable right now and so it really is um it was it was an artistic piece and there was so much effort put in i think on the winching side and and uh just it was really uh yeah a true honor especially considering where the sport is today
0: And and speaking of like where the sport is today where do you think it is
1: I mean, I'm blown away, honestly, by by the level of riding, by the, the amount of uh, effort that's put into making things look good. Uh, I mean, from cable to winching to boat riding, you can always pick something apart, but I mean, I would never have imagined it would have got to this spectacular of a, a place 10 years ago.
0: Well, you should be able to see some growth because um, another thing that you do... Um well, and it's pretty. I, I don't know. Like, it kind of seems like it's your main thing nowadays. Uh, is your camps, West Coast camps?
1: Correct. Yeah, that's how. That's what kind of afforded me the opportunity to stay in in wakeboarding. Well, and also, in a way,
0: um, you, I, I think it's cool because it, you're a pro rider. I mean, you're definitely a pro rider, but you're. I've I've never watched you compete, and I've been announcing for twelve years now, so. It proves that to be a pro, there's more than just having an amazing trick set, right?
1: Yeah, you bet. And I mean, I just, I got blessed, you know, I, there's no other way to really account for all the probability of what happened to me. And I, I selfishly kind of, I did the tour for a year uh, under Darren Shapiro's uh, help. And I just realized I, I couldn't put in the sacrifice that was was needed to stay in that. So I was like, I'm just going to go and give lessons because I was doing lessons on the side and I enjoyed them, loved teaching people. So I was like, I'm just going to do lessons to pay for my gas while I go to college. And the lake I was at had nobody there. So the camp thing made more sense, you know, to bring people in. Otherwise, I would have had, wouldn't had have any clients. And so then we ended up, you know, it was a, probably three miracles just to get the doors open and then the second summer, we just blew up. I mean, our uh, phone wouldn't stop ringing. We had to get extra boats. And, you know, it was, there's no way explaining the success we had other than just being blessed. Um,
0: Wait, what year What year did West Coast Camp start and,
1: like, um, and and where? So 2002 was the year that I started the business. 2003 was our first year of operations, and that was at Lake McClure and um 2004 was the year that um the school really took off we went from you know two to three riders a week to like 10 to 15 and so if if that hadn't happened i wouldn't have been able to stay um in college and um uh, and then make a career out of it now you have two camps Correct. Or two locations. Yep. Okay, so
0: one on Lake McClure, and then you have another one, like we were talking about earlier, on Lake Shasta. So, um, kind of where are you guys at today?
1: Yes, yeah, so our Lake Shasta uh, school is on pause right now because of the uh, sheriff's department up there. They they aren't um, allowing us to operate using um, demo boats. And so they basically want us to register the boats twice during the year, whereas now we buy them and then sell them before the end of the year. So they pay registration. The sheriffs up there have taken the stance that that's not appropriate. You have to pay t- tax twice in the same year. And so we don't make any money anyways with the school. And so we'd have, we'd essentially lose like 10 grand in tax and operate a business. So Hopefully we can get past that with, um, the sheriff's department up there. Um, and for now we're just focusing on McClure and we've got a great relationship with MID and, um, they just, they're really supportive of what we're doing with the kids up there.
0: All right, cool. And what, what I, what I really liked about, um, what I was reading about your school is you do more than just teach these kids how to wakeboard, um, you actually teach these kids how to be a pro.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, as when we're young, we're, we, our interests are in different things. Wakeboarding is one of them, and so we want to take what kids are interested in and then use that to teach them how to be successful in life. And so when you're interested in something, you're going to put forward energy. And then once you learn skills, you can then transfer them to different uh, different avenues, whether it's boarding or at a, a certain job. And so our, that was how I learned, um, you know, I was able to start a business with wakeboarding, but it eventually went into other things. Um, I got into real estate and, and, uh, doing rehab and stuff. And so, um, we've had huge success. I mean, just with, with where our campers are off the water, you know, years later, and it's crazy. Some of them have kids now.
0: (laughs) Any, any like standout students, do you have any students that have Gone on
1: to find any success within the wakeboard industry. You, there's that kid Josh Walker. <laughs> Some people may know him. Sure, yeah. uh, Trevor Maurer, sure,
0: Josh Walker, <laughs> Rider of the Year. Trevor Maurer, yeah. uh, uh, Video of the Year. Sure. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, yeah. We've had uh, you know several others um, and uh, just phenomenal athletes that have come through. And and uh, I think with Trevor and Josh, it's really cool. Um, they, they almost play off each other and the the fact that they both came to, I think Josh was like 10 or 11 when he was a camper the first time and Trevor was like 14 or so and then Trevor went on to work at camp for like 3 years so he, he has like 7 years or more uh, involved at camp wow. and still comes back to volunteer from time to time and hang out with campers and uh, just kind of teach them and for you know for nothing and he just comes out and does it because he loves it.
0: You've been doing this for a long time. You, you you got involved in the mid to late '90s, and you know you've you've been afforded some really uh, great things in life through it. Um, is there like one standout memory that wakeboarding has provided you that uh, kind of
1: stands out more than anything else? Uh, I mean, the, it's more of a theme, but just the relationships are. You know, I, I feel like I'm one of the most lucky people I meet just because of the relationships I've met through wakeboarding. And I've got like just a lot of authentic friendships um, of really cool people, uh, talented in so many different things just just than wakeboarding. And it's all because we kind of had the unique, um, you know, uh, attraction of enjoying being out in a boat. And I think the sport itself, being on a boat is really what I like about it, um, just hanging out. And I think that uh, getting to ride makes it look like we're not crazy and just, you know, random people hanging out in a boat. I think, you know, fishermen hold a pole to make themselves look not crazy because everybody knows how cool it is to be on a boat. Right. Just on the lake. And uh, so, yeah, I just think, A, being able to be on a boat for so much time. But the the friendships, I mean, I've got so many solid friendships from wakeboarding. And that's what I, I think has been just the most special thing to me. Is there anything in the sport that you still haven't accomplished? I mean, honestly, when I was 17, I got into a magazine for the first time, and I never thought that was possible, really. I wanted it, but I I never really thought it was possible, and everything from then has been bonus for me. And so, yeah, I I don't want to say my expectations were low, but I feel like I've been blessed with so much more than I ever really deserved uh, in the first place.
0: Man, I forgot to ask you. You got family or anything like that right now?
1: Yeah, I've got a supermodel wife uh, and Monica and then two kids, uh, Tor and Della. And then Tor is th- about three and Della is just over one. Are we have some future wakeboarders on our hands or what's the deal there? You know, it's it's only as much as they want. And so uh, plenty of opportunities if right. they want and uh, support them in, in whatever they want. My parents were really awesome and what you know whatever sport we wanted it was they were there to support us but they never really pushed us and so i'm just going to do the same thing for them uh be there for support that's cool man
0: mike i, I appreciate this this has been uh fun i think we uh, talked about some really cool stuff and uh man i'm just glad to kick off this this uh west coast pacific northwest coast uh podcast trip with you right here before i let you go um let everyone know how they can come ride with you at the school. And then, uh, let's give some social media and sponsor love.
1: Yeah. So, uh, westcoastcamps.com, uh, is our website and, uh, the lake's going to be completely full this year. So it should be, uh, like something we haven't seen in about a decade. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, really great staff returning several years, uh, you know, veterans. So, um, if you want to learn tricks, uh, it's so much easier on your body. um, Hyperlite wakeboards obviously. Uh we've been working with MB boats for a while now uh at camp and um I think Follow is going to send us uh, some handles this summer so excited about that. And um the one thing I we didn't get to talk about that I wanted to encourage people on for wakeboarding and for school in general, not just our school, but how important it is when you're learning. I think a lot of people are taking to wake surfing because it's so easy on their body, especially when you have to work. Like I, I do construction and whatnot and I can't afford to be, you know, I, I have friends that can't afford to go back to work on Monday broken Right. and wakeboarding historically has breaks people off and it's because they don't learn the fundamentals. Sure. And so if people would just slow the boats down, you know, and look at online through some tutorials, You can actually learn to wakeboard really well without taking the major crashes that we all saw people take for years and and really get broken off. And so every person that I run into that's all into wake surfing, which is fun, says because they can't afford to get hurt. And with our school... I mean, we may have – we hardly have any injuries, you know, in a 15-year period, you know, a couple hospital visits.
0: Knock on wood, right? Yeah.
1: So, you know, part of that's just being being blessed, but part of it's also Kyle Schmidt from the wakeboard camp uh, developed a really good system years ago that we kind of branched off of. And so if you do things systematically, you really can enjoy wakeboarding so much more, and it doesn't take that much more time. And what I usually encourage people to do is when it's rough out – You know, that's when we we you train on your fundamentals in between the wakes, rather than just go. You know, you know, park the boat for the afternoon, go out there and drag around and learn your edges, learn one wake stuff, switch. (laughs) Yeah, switch. I mean, there's so much you can learn, and you know, look online for through some tutorials for some ideas. But that will transform the older guys' experience for sure.
0: Well, I I would just say go watch. uh, uh, Type in your name on on uh, YouTube or just on Google and go and watch because you, I could watch you ride, not go upside down, not even leave the, the wake and you still make it look fun and cool. The <laughs> way you slash the way you surf, uh, the way you hold the water regular and switch. I mean, it's just, it, it's just fun. It's wakeboarding. It's, it's what wakeboarding should be.
1: And and I don't always have an expression on my face cuz I'm focused, but I I really do get to have so much fun and I do get to ride the way I want to ride, which is so fun. And I think everybody, you know, just find you don't ha- don't put yourself up against anybody. Find what makes, you know, what you enjoy doing, challenge yourself. Um you know, when we look when we compare ourselves to somebody else, we're never happy. And so, you know, to really enjoy what you're doing, just just find out like you know what type of things on the water you have fun doing and pursue those. And then if you get stuck, go back to something easy and try to manipulate it and do it in a way you haven't done before. and that kind of boosts your you know your psych meter up. And then that helps you break through that higher uh, plateau.
0: Yeah. Hey, well my dad made me side slide for like five <laughs> years straight, every set nonstop. So I know all about going back to the basics.
1: Yep. Hey, what's that website? Westcoastcamps.com. All right, cool. Uh your sponsors and your social media, sir. Um my social media would be uh Mike Schwen, M I K E S C H W E N N E for Facebook and Instagram, and um my sponsors would be Hyperlight and uh, we we are very well taken care of by MB MB boats. Very cool, Mike. Anything else? Oh, have fun wakeboarding and enjoy your friends and family. Dude, thanks a ton, brother. You bet, Dan. Yeah.
0: Woodrow's is a sunglass company based in central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and the love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrow's handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. The entire line of Woodrow's are available online at Woodrow's.com. And if you use my promo code MANO30, you'll get an additional 30% off your entire order. Follow Woodrow's on Instagram at Woodrow's or check them out online at Woodrow's.com. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-Z-E dot com. Woodrose is a sunglass company based in central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and the love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrow's handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. The entire line of Woodrow's are available online at Woodrow's.com and if you use my promo code MANO30, you'll get an additional 30% off your entire order. Follow Woodrow's on Instagram at Woodrow's or check them out online at woodrose.com. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-Z-E ecom The Golden Mike Podcast is back with the noise of the north. Dano the Mano. Presented by Deck Marine Products. Awesome to hear some different perspective from Mike Schvenz. Well, I haven't ever really spent too much time with Mike, but after our interview, I was convinced this guy is the real deal. A good heart both in and out of the sport. He's helping mentor the next generation of West Coast riders. He's spreading a positive message. And at the end of the day, wakeboarding is his passion, and that's why he does it. Of course, monetary success isn't a bad thing, and something tells... Of course, monetary success isn't a bad thing, but something tells me whether Mike Sven ran a camp or was sponsored by Hyperlight. he's a guy that you'd find at the lake every weekend because that's what he loves. Well, that's what we all love, right? And that's why you're all listening, and trust me when I say that I appreciate it, big time. Now let's get to some upcoming events. This weekend, Saturday, March 4th, the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour kicks off in Claremont, Florida at the Pig on the Pond Festival. Stop number two of the Gravel Tour is Saturday, April 22nd, just a few days before the Nautique Wake Open happening in Orlando, Florida, which will close out the month of April and kick off the 2017 wake season here in the U.S. officially. Also, the weekend of April 22nd, for all of you cable riders and enthusiasts out there, I will also be announcing the cable games at OWC in Orlando, so stop by, check it out. And of course, that first weekend in May, May 5th through the 7th, Boulder Boats hosts Malibu Rider Experience and Central WWA Wakeboard Regionals. I'm going to try to arrange a live episode out there as well, so watch out for that. All right, you ManoFanos, I know you're out there, and if you're interested in having me announce, commentate, do voiceover work, or just appear at your next event, hey, maybe you want to advertise on the Golden Mike Podcast or just ask me any question in general, please email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. You can also message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. I am on iTunes, so make sure you guys find me and subscribe. Please rate, review the podcast. I am currently uploading all the Golden Mike podcast archived episodes on SoundCloud, so find us on there as well. On Twitter, it's at the Dano T. Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. Follow both those feeds on Instagram. You can find me at Dano T. Mano and be sure to like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. One more thank you to Mike Schven and now a few shout outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to deck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, GoPuck, Malibu Boats, C4 Belts, Rockstar Energy, CWB Board Company, Led Wake, Ronix, Jenna Hamill on the web, and Rich Walsh on the audio. That's going to do it for today's show. I appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan of the Mano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.